0: You are listening to The Bridge Metro West, located at 7 Strathmore Road in Natick, Massachusetts. For more information about The Bridge Metro West, our weekly Sunday gatherings, and other events, go to www.bridgemetrowest.com.
1: Good morning, Bridge Metro West. It's a sunny, summer, Sunday Morning. I love it. I love it. I love it. Who needs Hawaii when you can be in New England, baby? I I did enjoy my time in Hawaii. Don't get me wrong. Hey, um, very quickly, we want to receive your tithes and offerings, whatever the Lord lays on your heart to give. I want to ask um, our ushers that we designated to come forward. We're going to pray because I want to be aggressive with the, what some people might think are the mundane issues in life. I know there's people in here that are looking for jobs and um, unemployment has just not been a thing here. Historically, we, it's because we, I, I, we just pray for it. We ask God for it. And we're bold. We, you know, I, it was a spontaneous prayer years ago asking for jobs that we don't even apply for, promotions that we're not even looking for. And it, literally people just started getting jobs. It's amazing. Because, you know, Scripture says we have not because we ask not. So ask for the things that are on your heart. That's what children do. See, that's why I don't, I don't worry about, you know, when, when kids are running around. And all the, Why? Because Jesus said, suffer the children. Let them come to me. King James said suffer, that sounds bad, and sometimes it feels like suffering. If you're a parent, you know what I mean, but let the children come. See, the problem with a lot of leadership is that we're afraid to allow things to have their infancy in the church. It's okay if there's messes, because that's what happens in family. I'm not afraid of that. Hey, daddy. There's a lot to learn from that. Next time we worship, there's a lot to learn from that. That's why Jesus said what he, what he said. Because adults, we, we think we, we're so worried about being appropriate. Kids aren't worried about that. They're just worried about running to dad when he gets out from the, behind the drum kit. Not afraid of the thunders. They just run to the sound of Abba. And so if you're uh, online, we want to welcome our online family. As a matter of fact, in-house family, give our online family a hand. <clears throat> and if you're local, you should be here. If you're not, just get a plane. It's fine. They won't cancel your flight if you're coming here. So if you're making out checks, just make them out to the bridge. Um, You can text Bridge Metro West to the number 94000. We'll send you uh, uh, some links, and you can give that way. Um, Also, at the end of service, we'll have our online ministry teams as well as in-house Um, face-to-face. Same teams, they do it all. They're amazing, amazing, amazing. And so let's pray and bless this offering. Father, I thank you for the kingdom dynamic that is released in radical generosity. I thank you for how we've been able to uh, partner with missions, not only locally, but globally. I thank you for Bible schools in Africa. I thank you for, uh, you know, kingdom universities in Asia. Lord, I thank you for food pantries here in, uh, just in Metro West, God. I thank you that we uh, can put our feet on the ground and say that the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And God, as we release authority of that which is in our hands and we place it in your hands, Lord, I I just I always feel like I'm in a football state stadium just saying go go Lord your kingdom move your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven Lord and as we give I ask and I pray and I come into agreement with that kingdom dynamic in this room Lord Lord that uh, this blessing would just come crashing down upon us God we cannot out bless you as much as we try as much as we desire so now in the name of Jesus and from the sacred space of your name, God. I'm asking even for the mundane things that might appear to be mundane to us. And so, Lord, I'm asking for jobs and marketplace favor. Lord, jobs that we don't even apply for. Promotions we're not even looking for. Show the world who your sons and your daughters are, and we will supply the needs of the kingdom around the earth. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, and all God's people said, Amen. You can pass the baskets couple quick announcements in giant print next Sunday we're doing a baptism service come on we're doing a baptism service it's like five people clap for that don't make me get cantankerous on a sunny Sunday summer morning Saturday at 10 a.m. we're having a meeting for those who want to be baptized. We've got your names. If you want to be baptized, you can see Greta or you can call the office. Uh, You can come last minute, uh, but we do want you here Saturday at 10 just to go through what's going to happen. It's not going to be a super long meeting. We just want to, I want to know who you are, and then um, we're going to do this. Today, Jaywalk, somebody say Jesus. Jesus. It's Jaywalk today. What is Jaywalk? Just go and find out. There's food. I mean, what else do you want except Jesus and food? So uh, we just, what we do is we hang out and we talk about how to walk like you actually believe in Jesus. That's it. We want to see the, the uh, testimony of Jesus become the spirit of prophecy in our lives so that where we go, there is an atmosphere of Christ and people actually come to know him through You you like, well, I don't, know. I don't know, you don't know me. I don't know. Yeah. Well, Christ in you is the hope of glory and his power is perfected in your weakness. So if you feel weak, it's a great time to go to jaywalk today. Also, Saturday at 10, there's, I don't know what that means, Greta, but she's not in here. There's a, a Stacey Claffey is doing a, a women's creative thing. Yeah, Greta's going to tell you. Kids are gone, so don't have to worry about releasing the kids. They, they just took them from you. It's amazing. This is what we do.
0: We are super excited to just do something fun with women. And Stacy Claffey wants to invite you all this Saturday. Women. Women. It doesn't matter what age you are, women. But you do need, I guess, to have a woman identification to be here. <laughs> oh, we can go down that path. I'm just saying it for us in our house it's easy we know who we are as women so all right going down this rabbit trail. We're doing something creative. It's gonna be so much fun. Stacy loves you and she's just, she's gonna lead us through this whole way of just doing what we're doing. Um, We've got something planned every fourth Saturday of um, the rest of the year. And so it's just, you know, a lot of us do the God thing well. Women love to get together and they'll do Bible studies or they're praying. And Stacy's like, I just wanna have fun. So just come have fun, hang out 10 o'clock right here, small donation. If you don't have finances, don't worry about it. But those that can give us 10 bucks and that will take care of supplies. Does that sound like a plan?
1: (laughs) It sounds great. So yeah, I've got no further comment. Turn your Bibles to Zechariah chapter four. We were here last week. We're here again. Oh, I didn't even know that. Um, Integrated ministry team, but you should know that. If you're on the integrated ministry team, you have a meeting on Saturday afternoon. It's very important. Is this the planning center meeting? I don't know. What time is it? It's at 1. Okay. Okay. There was an invitation sent to respond. Respond. Okay, I'm going to talk to family right now. If you're in leadership and or you're on a team of any sort, that includes home groups, every group, We're doing Planning Center, guys. Get on it. Get on the bus, that's what we're doing. I was a little ruthless with our integrated ministry teams in an email last month uh, because this is the system that we're using to keep ourselves organized and to get ourselves organized and and to know what's happening. So if you don't have Planning Center, if you're not, even if you attend here, um, we're gonna get you on our Church Center app, which is gonna uh, just help everybody be in communication. We had a meeting on Friday, and we were uh, with one of our our ministries, and they were talking about promotion, and I'm like, well, the best way to get on promotion is to get everybody on the same page, and you get everybody on the same page by being on Church Center. We have technology. We have the technology. Use it. Don't be afraid of it. This is what we're doing. This is what we're doing, so I will hunt you down and find you. Are we in Zechariah 4? All right. All right. I'm going to read out of the English Standard Version today. I hope I have the same note the right note file up because usually it's a little bit larger print than this. But if I stand back here, I can read it. And the angel, and I'm starting with verse 1 apparently, yeah. And the angel who talked with me came again and woke me like a man who was awakened out of a sleep. And he said to me, what do you see? I said, see. And behold, a lampstand of all, uh, all olive gold with a bowl on the top of it and seven lamps on it with seven lips on each of the lamps that are on top of it. And, the, and there are two olive trees by it, one on the right of the bowl and the other on its left. And I said to the angel, who talked with me? Well, he's not asking the question, who talked with me? He said, I said to the angel who talked with me, What are these, my Lord? I mean, I don't know. If I saw that, I'm not, I'm not sure what my first response would be. You know, I'm, I'm not sure. Like, if you actually just, you got to crawl up into this vision because this is actually happening. You got to understand. Now, he's a prophet, so he's seasoned. But imagine actually seeing something like this and then just casually asking, What is this? I'm not sure it was actually like that. I think there was probably a little bit more emotion behind this. I think he he was actually caught up in the swirl of the nature of God. So uh, just crawl up into the experience of the prophet, because Zachariah is an actual prophet here, and begin to immerse yourself in what he's actually seeing and experiencing. Then he said to me, this is the word of the Lord. Oh, I, I skipped ahead. What are these, my Lord? Verse 5. Then the angel who talked with me answered and said to me, do you, know, do, you not know what the, do you not know what these are? I said, No, my Lord. Then he said to me, This is the word of the Lord to Zerubbabel, not by might nor by power, but by my spirit, says the Lord of hosts. Who are you, O great mountain boat? Before Zerubbabel you shall become a plain. And he shall bring forward the top stone amid shouts of grace, grace to it. Then the word of the Lord came to me, saying, The hands of Zerubbabel have laid the foundation of this house. His hands shall also complete it. Then you will know that the Lord of hosts has sent me to you. For whoever has despised the day of small things shall rejoice and shall see the plumb line in the hand of Zerubbabel. These seven are the eyes of the Lord, which range through the whole earth. Then I said to him, What are these two olive trees on the right on the left of the lampstand and a second time I've answered and said to him what are these two branches of the olive trees which are beside the two golden pipes from which the golden oil is poured out and he said to me do you not know what these are that's why I asked I said no my lord then he said these are the two anointed ones who stand by the lord of the whole earth I I I just giggle at this passage internally because, you know, the writer having this experience and then he's he's looking at what he's looking at and he's he's saying, ah, "What are these?" And then the angel says, "Do you not know what these are?" Sometimes I feel like when you're talking to kids, that's the way it is. Like you know, like what are you doing? He's like, "You don't know what I'm doing." He's answering a question with a question. I mean, normally that would be annoying, but since he's a represent- representative of God, then you better pay attention. But I wanted to just reiterate what's happening here in history, and then we're going to move forward from where we were last week. How many people were here last week? Raise your hands. So I want to get good, good. Okay, so about half of you online. Okay, I mean, that's fine. All right. So Zerubbabel, other than having a name that I like to say, Repeatedly, it's just fun. Uh, Was he was the governor of Judah? I'm I'm sorry, I'm just trying to keep it reined in because I'm feeling very mischievous this morning. My sister said to me when I walked in the door, she's like, "What did you drink this morning before you came in?" I had just a cup of coffee in my hand. I was like, I hadn't even finished my coffee yet, but I'm just feeling mischievous. But I'll behave, ish. So Zerubbabel was the, the governor of Judah. But they were in exile, so you got understand that um, you know Persia came in, they took over, they destroyed the temple, they ransacked Jerusalem, they brought all the Jews back, and so they were in exile for 70 years. But Zerubbabel he wanted to rebuild the temple, and it was really birthed in him by the heart of God because at that time worship happened in the temple. Now we are collectively the temple. Right, So you're the temple, I'm the temple, but you're not exclusively the temple, and I'm not exclusively the temple. The fullness of God dwells in the body of Christ, and we are collectively the body of Christ. So that just keeps us from being, getting into some sort of pride thing by saying, well, I'm the temple of the Holy Spirit. Yes, we, yes, I am the temple of the Holy Spirit, but only to the degree that we are the temple of the Holy Spirit. So you'll see people say things like, well, I don't need to go to church, I am the church. No, you're not. We are the church. Fight me. Fight me. We are the church. It's all through scripture. Yes, there's an individuality that we have before the Lord, but once you are in him, we are connected to a plurality. So we have this priestly anointing where we, we are priests to the presence, but we are also a kingdom unto, unto our God. And I love to preach about priests and kings because I could throw down about that all day, and that's in the King James, but the word is actually priests and kingdom. And that's what we see from Genesis all the way through Revelation is this idea of, yes, there's this individual function that we have before the Lord, but it's only effective to the degree that there is a connection with the plurality of those who have been called with us. Now, a lot of us want to be like these individual Old Testament depressed prophets. I mean, not a lot of us. There's like a few of us few of you want to be that like and then you say how you doing oh brother i'm in the cave look the only reason why the the prophet was in the cave is because he feared man before before god if you're in a cave that's the reason why so if you answer me that if you tell me you're in the cave i already know why It's not because God put you there. It's because you ran from your call and now you're hiding in a place that you were never intended to be. But don't worry, even in that scripture, God comes down to meet you because he who began a great work in you is faithful to complete it. He really is the author and the finisher of of your faith and his power really is perfected in your weakness. And so even though you think, you know, you want to express that by some divine um, inspiration you've been led to a cave, the reason why you're in the cave is because you became afraid of Ahab and Jezebel. Mostly Jezebel because Ahab was a weak man. I want to go off on that too but I'm not gonna go off on that today. So, Zerubbabel, back to this guy. Now he's tasked to bring 42,000 Jews back to Jerusalem by the authority of the government to which they've been exiled. See, we we think we're living in like this, the worst time of history, and it's really because we're not educated. Are things weird? Are things look? We've been in the, the the last days for two thousand years. Every time some world event happens, people are somebody will inevitably say, "Oh, we're really in the end times now, brother." We've been in the end times. Jesus said we're in the final hour. It's just a really long one. There's always been wars and rumors of wars. It's just now that we have we have social media, so rumors abound way more than they used to. And look. I, I just this morning, I made the mistake of looking at Facebook and somebody had a post about why the church is in trouble or why the, look, Jesus Christ is at the head of the church. I think the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords who's seated high above all principalities, powers, rulers, authorities, and who has a name that is above all names, all names, I think he's going to have his way. Is there a process that we go through? Yes, look. I'll be honest, I haven't worked out in a while. I got spine surgery in three weeks. Like, I'm not working out right now. Like, working out is like getting out of bed. You know, walking up the stairs. I mean, look, I could walk. It's so boring. You gotta, I'm like a dog. Like, throw a ball, I'll chase it. You know, like, I know they don't do the dog tracks anymore. It's inhumane. But, you know, the little mechanical rabbit that went around the track and they would run really fast. That's me. Except I'm 50. So i run like five steps and be like, okay, you win. Go, rabbit, go. Welcome to exactly. I am no geezer. Look at me. I got my mama's skin. I look good. I, I got, yes, and I got my wife's facial products. I look good today. I put a little moisturizer on. It's good. Jeremy's sister told me I had to do that. I had no idea. Ah, it's great. I still act like I'm 11, but I'm 50. So, but when you do work out, see, even in high school, I played soccer. I played soccer all the time, but I wasn't super disciplined. And so I would walk into camp having not really worked out the way that I was supposed to work. And now you're practicing one time, two times, three times a day. And you wake up the next morning and your body's like, oh, you in trouble now because you haven't done anything. And so, you know, you've got lactic acid in your muscle and your muscles got, you know, there's there's little micro kind of tears that are happening so that it can build back stronger. And you have this sensation, like when you wake up in the morning, even at 16 years of age, like, oh, I'm in trouble. The body's in trouble. Something bad's happening. This isn't the way that it's supposed to be. I'm not supposed to feel this much pain. Oh my goodness. And not only that, because, you know, I don't know, I grew up in a time where parents were a little bit different. You know, some people, some like, I'm not going to fault you right now-ish, but, you know, some parents, they buy their kids like 50 pairs of shoes. I mean, that's not actually hyperbole. I've seen it. But, you know, I would get one or two, and I would get cleats, right? Because you play soccer, you got to have cleats. But because I'm growing, I would always have cleats that are like two sizes too big from the time I was like six, seven, eight years old. And so what happened was... I got so used to having cleats that were too big for me that even when I stopped growing, I wore the same cleats. And so when season started, I would have blisters the size of the moon on the bottom of my feet. Now, I didn't care because I was so used to it. I grew up, I always had that. But I had these shoes that were too big for me that I I got used to and you know there would be a little bit of pain and I would feel like I'm in trouble because of the way that I was walking and the way that I was running but in time and not too much time the bottom of my foot would grow back stronger so that I wouldn't blister anymore the body of Christ the church is going to achieve the objective for which she was called to. Because my God, who is at the head of the church, is sovereign. And so we think, because we pay too much attention, we give too much weight from the energy of our soul to words and reports and the voice of the spirit of this age instead of the voice of God, we get shook. And when we get shook, we take our eyes off of him. But if you maintain a perspective of who God is before us and who we are in him, there will be no shaking. That's how Jesus slept on a boat that was about to fall apart in a storm. In the sea, and the disciples woke him up and he was like, Chill guys, I got this. Take a nap. They're like, We can't take a nap. We're like eight foot seas. Like, I ain't ever been seasick until I got seasick. I don't know how many years ago, Dad, we went down to North Carolina. I wanted to go deep-sea fishing. I used to go deep-sea fishing all the time. And there was a storm that was way off the coast, and there was eight-foot seas. And the, the captain of the boat was meeting with everybody before we went out. And, and, and they, he, you know, he was like, hey, it's really rough out there. Do you guys want to do this? Of course, everybody wanted to do it. And when you go deep sea fishing, you're going like 20 miles out. So, and it takes a while to get out there, especially in rough seas. So I, I don't, it was like two, three hours before we got to where we were gonna fish. And the whole time we're going up eight feet, down 10 feet, up six feet, down six feet, up 10. Yo, know, you get it? And I was sitting down chilling. I was enjoying the ride. For, sincerely, I was enjoying the ride. And I was starting to see people drop like flies. And I was a little prideful, I was like, these kids, they can't handle this stuff. And one old guy, like he starts, he'd go in the back and everybody's, you know, I don't know, like 30% of the boat dropped before we even got to the place. And so we got to the place and we're still going, down six feet, up eight feet, you know, and it was, it was like a roller coaster. It was fun until I stood up. But it wasn't immediate, I was kind of like, hmm, I feel a little bit off. I go, I got my pole, but I'm cool. You know what I mean? You get it, I'm cool. Like, I gotta be cool. Go to the side of the boat, drop the line in, going down, and I'm like, something's is not right. The breeze is blowing. I'm about to tell you some intimate details of my life. Get ready. You don't want to hear this, but I'm going to do it because I'm feeling mischievous today. And suddenly, up from my belly, <laughs> erupted. Not only a sound, but a substance. (laughs) They gotta understand. This is how cool I am. I'm at the side of the boat, and the side of the boat is lined with people with fishing things dropped in the water. We're deep sea fishing. We're we're about to catch some fish, and all of a sudden projectiles released from my inner man. I'd love to say that it was prophecy or testimony, but it wasn't. It was something ungodly in it, the breeze caught it and just blew it down the side of the boat. I was a little embarrassed. But I thought, surely this won't happen again. So I was like, I'm standing in. Dropped the line in, did the fishing thing for about 30 seconds. Round two! So finally, my father-in-law... Finally, I mean, it felt like an eternity, but it was about a minute. He taps me on the shoulder. He's like, hey, why don't you go to the back of the boat and just relax a little bit? I felt the seas for three days and three nights. It was like being in the tomb. I was ready for resurrection, and it just wasn't happening. I'm laying down at night to go to sleep and I'm still going down six feet and up eight feet. This is what the disciples were experiencing and this is what Jesus slept through. Because he knew who Abba was. He wasn't worried about the boat. He wasn't worried about the motion. He wasn't worried about anything. He knew that God, see, he already understood that I can do nothing of myself. I can only do what I see the Father doing. And he saw the Father going to the other side of the body of water. And so it didn't matter what storm happened between point A and point B. He knew that he was gonna get to the other side. Somebody say other other side. That's not even the message today, but that's where we're headed apparently. So, Zerubbabel, he's about to get into a storm. He doesn't know it. Everybody's excited. Any, anytime you start a new project, you get excited. You start a new job, you're excited, maybe a little bit nervous. You get married, you're excited, you're a little bit nervous. Everything's fresh, everything's new. You're in the honeymoon period. He's going, like he should have known I'm going back to Jerusalem with 42,000 Jews. There's going to be some friction. 42,000 humans, let alone. So, at that time, there were two prophets in place to encourage Israel Haggai and Zechariah. You'll see more of the context in the book of Ezra. And so they go back to Jerusalem, but as we talked about last week, oftentimes when a transition is complete, there is what we call a honeymoon period. Some honeymoon periods are longer than others. But be prepared that when your transition is complete and whatever you're transitioning to, the honeymoon will come to an end. I'm not saying to expect bad things to happen. I'm just saying be prepared for friction and pressure in life. Be prepared for shaking. It will happen. Repeatedly. Because that's the world that we live in. Jesus said, you know what? In this world you will have trouble, but fear not, I have overcome the world. He had, look, you got to understand, he was already living in an eternal dimension. That's what it means. When we're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, this is what Paul taught to the church, the Apostle Paul, that there is a dimension that we have access to that is outside of our timeline. I don't want to get too weird and too wacky, but I want to take you a little bit deeper as well. This is what Jesus was doing when he said, I have overcome the world. He was speaking from a place that was outside of the timeline because he had not been on the cross yet. He had not been buried yet. He had not descended. He had not ascended. He hadn't even been resurrected yet, but he's already saying that he had overcome past tense because there was a part of him living in a place where it had already happened. That's what faith. It calls things that are not as though they are. It accesses the realm of God, what we see in the heart of the Father, and it declares it as though it is fully manifest on the earth in the moment. But it's not calling things that are just the desire of your heart. It's saying, I'm going to delight myself in the Lord, and I'm going to allow the Lord to come now and implant desires in my heart that are in His so that when I see what is in His heart and I name it and I declare it, it is so. Does that make sense? Okay. So they get back. Everybody's excited. They build an altar. Now, in those days, they built altars and they sacrificed, you know, animals. I know that's kind of weird. I've seen, actually, animal sacrifice. Unfortunately, I rocked up in a village in, uh, in Africa, and, and we thought we were going to a wedding, and we were actually in, a, in the middle of a pagan sacrifice. We're like, oh, we're not going to eat that meat. But it's okay people got saved it's fine because my god is greater not worried about any of that stuff i just sat there and watched it was interesting and weird to watch but so that's what they did they sacrificed animals and then they built the foundation of the temple because everybody was excited but then the samaritans were in a neighboring region and you know they had a a, a belief in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but it, there was some things that were askew. And as a people, they were not allowed to worship with the Jews by law. And so they wanted to come and be a part of this thing, but, but the Jews were like, no, you can't do that. So they got offended. They went back to the ruling authorities in Persia and said, hey, they're planning something bad. They're gonna come after you. Like as if 42,000 Jews were gonna do anything to Babylon at that point in time, but hey, they're going to come after you. And so now the government in began to institute policies that would inhibit the rebuilding of the temple in Jerusalem. And so slowly over time, what would have been 42,000 hands building the temple became 30,000 and 15,000 and 5,000 and 4,000 and And then it was just Zerubbabel. And for 15 years, he walks out of the front door of his abode. And he sees this mountain of stone that was to be a temple. And he's reminded every day that he's a failure. You think God doesn't know what it's like When you're depressed or you feel like you failed or you feel like you've come under your circumstances, now he understands. He's been there with, in that with his kids for thousands of years. You're not the first, you're not the last. The problem with feeling like you're a failure, the problem with depression, the problem with some of these things is that they cause you to take your eyes off of him and put your eyes on you. Look, I know what depression is like. I've talked about it. I know what it, it feels like. I know when what it what it feels like when you wake up in the morning and you go through a day and you're feeling this weight that even for no reason at all. But over time, God has fashioned me to be a battering ram, to not come under. My circumstances. I mean, there are moments and there are times for sure. My wife can attest to that. You know, my parents, if they were still here, they could attest to that. My siblings can attest to that. There are times, but over time, I always come back to the place where I'm heart to heart and face to face with God. And when I'm in that place, man, there's just this aggressive thing. Sometimes people are like, oh, he yells a lot. It's because I'm passionate and because I feel the weight of your circumstances sometimes and I just want to break you through. But you've got to understand on the other side of being broken through, you've got to follow through. There is a walk to do. It's not enough just to build an altar. It's not enough just to build a foundation. You've got to take the mountain of stone that is before you that God has called you to and you've got to link arm in arm with people? Even you you think all 42,000 Jews that went back to Jerusalem were friends? You don't think there were weird people and obnoxious people, maybe even mentally ill people and crazy people in that group? You better believe it. But God has called us to link arm in arm with weird people like me to bring about his purposes on the earth because that is the space that he gets glorified. Zerubbabel couldn't do it on his own. He wakes up every day and he sees this mountain and he's like, this is never going to happen. 42,000 Jews. Now you got to understand they were back in Jerusalem for the first time. Some of, most of those were born in captivity. They didn't even know what it was like to be a free people. And now they're just doing their business. They start businesses and crafts and they're building tents and they're they're cultivating the land, they're they're making food, they just get in a system, they just built a city, but they didn't build the temple, which was the purpose of them being there. And so sometimes it takes a weird prophet to come into your life and get in your face. If you come to this house every week and you feel comfortable, then I'm not doing my job. See, I grew up in a church when I was a kid. Look, I started smoking when I was eight. I wanted to be bad. I just had a praying mom, so I wasn't very good at it. She might beg to differ at the time. I keep reminding my wife, I was like, you don't know how good you have it. Just be glad you didn't give birth to me. I mean, well, don't imagine. Forget it. We're going to move on from, from that phase of my life. But I don't even know where I was headed with that. But I see myself at eight. I'm just glad I'm not there anymore. So the honeymoon is over. There's pressure There's difficulty. What happens when there's pressure and difficulty? You stop building. And we stop building when we lose sight of who God is. There's a lot of focus in the church today on personal identity. My friend Tony Kim and I have been talking about that quite a bit. He had a great post that he put, even though we were on vacation in Hawaii together, he got on his social medias. I ignored mine because I was on vacation mostly but he got on there and did a great post about how our personal identity has become an idol our personal identity is revealed when we look at him and know who he is it's just I want to say that it's that simple and it is that simple it's just in its application it's difficult because there are so many things coming at us from so many directions to shift our gaze And culturally, we have begun to allow the culture of the land to infect the church to the point where we begin to devalue the word of God. And we call it things like a manual. We call it things as, uh, I don't know what all the words that people call it. It's the word of God. So you've got to understand Hebrew culture understood the Torah, the first five books of the Bible, as the Word, the Word of, like the Word of God. That's why they revere the scroll so much, the Torah scroll, they revere it. Uh, sometimes I, I end up in liturgical churches. I was in, a, in an Episcopal church uh, several years ago, and they came in, and the way they held the Bible with such honor and reverence. Look, it's not worship, it's giving honor where honor is due, and understanding that the Bible is the word of God and also the inspired scriptures. This is what Paul was saying when he said that all scripture is God breathed and suitable for teaching and for reproof, that is for correction. So what he was saying is that the Torah is good and, and they considered like the prophetic texts and what we just read as the inspired breath or the inspired words of God. And all of it is suitable to do surgery on your lives. And you've got to understand that you know, there are people that are going to say, well, you don't have to spend that much time in the Word. Look, everyone who, who was a writer in Scripture had Torah memorized. Every per- you, you talk about the early church fathers, they knew entire swaths of Scripture by rote. We are not smarter than they were. We are not more intellectually prominent than they were. We do not have a greater revelation or a fresher revelation than Scripture itself. It's tempting. We always want something fresh and something new, but every time we get something fresh and new, we're just tapping into the eternal of who God always was. Several years ago, I don't remember how they did this. I was going to Google it, look it up this morning or last night, and I forgot. Well, I didn't forget. I kept thinking about it. I just never did it. But they measured the frequency of the universe. What do I mean by frequency? It's just sound. Every sound has a frequency. So the sound of my voice has a frequency. What does that mean? Is that there's a sound wave that's going up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down. And it, with the speed or the amount of times that it goes up and down, that is the pitch or the sound of my voice. And so they found that there was a frequency of the universe that, and it was extremely low to the point where it was this percussive sound. And I I forget, I believe that they found the frequency of the universe was like the note A flat. I believe that's what it was. And so everybody's excited. I don't know, we even talked about it here. It was like, oh, they found the the frequency of the universe. You know, God, he's moving, he's breathing. It's the sound of God. Like, I'm all about sound. But we get excited about A flat, like one note, when the reality is that inside of God, there is a multi-hour, multi-millennial frequency, a symphony of sound. And we've accessed one note by science and we think that we are so intellectually superior now that we can decide if there is a God or not based on the evidence. Just because we can explain something intellectually does not mean that we have stepped into something supernaturally. God moves. In him, there is a symphony of sound. And when we access one note, we get excited. And that's okay. That's what it's like to be a child. But don't think that's the whole thing. Because when we come heart to heart and face to face with the one who is eternal, all of our weaknesses, all of our failures, all of the things that we become ashamed of, all of the things that have held us down, every element of our history that keeps creeping back into our daily reality, they begin to grow dim. They begin to become more insignificant because we are looking upon upon the one who has called us by name we are looking upon the one who spoke light into darkness and said hey just light be it's time just be that's how he he didn't ask a question he didn't say let there be light if you look at the language it says be light jesus didn't say may your kingdom come or let your kingdom come he said kingdom come That's how God moves. He's not asking questions. He's making declarations. When he wants something done, he's going to see it done. When he says that he's going to cause all the fullness of the deity to dwell in the body of Christ, oh, I think the king is going to have his way. We just got to get on the bus because the bus is on the move. It's time to step up, step out of your circumstance, break out of the malaise, look at the mountain, shout grace, grace, grace. grace 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 to the mountain but don't you expect that mountain to come down by itself you're gonna link arm in arm with the people of God and you're gonna walk up to that thing and by stone by stone brick by brick you're gonna tear down one thing so that you can build up another that's what this text is about it's not just a prophetic declaration it's what happens on the other side of breakthrough it's what happens on the other side of the shout oh we gotta have Shout, you gotta get something that's in your belly and release it on the outside of you. But on the other side of the experience, on the other side of the prophetic word, you gotta put your hand in the dirt and begin to build the thing that God has called you to build. Come on. I'm not angry, I'm just happy and passionate. It's just how I roll. Sorry, am I sorry? Is this. I'm not sorry. I was lying. Forgive me, Lord. Let your power be perfected in my weakness. I was trying to be nice, but God, Don Potter said, God is not nice. He's kind. See, nice people don't always say what needs to be said. Kind people always do. Because they're more worried about the outcome than they are the moment. You want to cut down on pastoral meetings? Be kind. But don't be nice. Be truthful. So what happens when you release a shout? Y'all know I'm into shouting. Like, I don't wanna shout. Look, every person that has told me that they don't shout has shouted in their lives. They've shouted at their kids. They've shouted at their husbands when they're driving the car. I don't care how quiet you are, there's a shout inside of you. But maybe it's time to stop being reactive and start being a little proactive. What happens when we release a shout? God will co-labor with the sound. And maybe I should flip that and say, we begin to co-labor with his sound. Right? God moves supernaturally, but he also gives you grace to move practically. It's on the other side of the shout. And When you release the shout, you are placed back on the path to make his dream for you a reality. There's a time and there's a timing. It's not the way that God worked yesterday. It's how God is speaking to you today. And I've told that story so many times. When everybody left my office, I would walk the halls and just begin to shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Because I knew God, if God is for me, who can be against me? And I prayed for the people that worked for me, even the ones I didn't like. Say, so God, help me love them. I want to fire them. Help me love them. Because I learned that the grass is not always greener on the other side. Sometimes you got to take the person that someone else told you to fire and develop them. Because people just, they're longing for someone to believe in them. I had a girl, look, she shouldn't have been working for me. I knew that. She was really bad at her job. She was barely literate. I mean, she, she was bad. And I went on vacation. I came back, and the division vice president had come to our office, and he had told my boss, you got to tell him to fire that girl. So Charlie told me, well, Chris, Chris said you got to fire her. I looked at Charlie and said, I'm not firing her. It's not happening. Like, look, you submit yourself to authorities and all that. Great, do that. I'm just telling you what I did. Not everybody can do what I do and get away with it. But you got to do what the Lord is asking you to do in the moment. So I'm not firing her. And I, I don't remember if I said this out loud or not. I probably didn't. My boss wasn't very strong. But I said, Why? in my mind, I was like, watch what I do with this one. It, it spurred something in me. I'd been a little bit lazy. I'd been, you know, I was just going through the motions. And I, you know, I, I called her in my office. And I said, look, we got to make some changes. I believe that you can do this thing. Look, she was, you know, grew up in a fractured, broken family system. You know, her marriage was barely holding together. There were so many issues. She smoked cigarettes like a chimney. Like she was, she just, her life was a struggle. This particular office, I was in multiple offices in the region. This particular one was in a very depressed region and you could feel the depression. I had a friend who planted a church there. It didn't last that long, but when he started in this relatively small town, there were 40 bars. 40 bars and believe me they were utilized we had a manager in that facility that had five warrants out for him I found out about it because one of the people that well, I, I can't say this publicly but I, anyway I found out about it and I knew the cops were coming so I left work early that day early for me I left like at 6 o'clock I usually stay till seven, seven, eight. I worked a lot of hours back then It was a str- but you know because someone looked her in the eye and believed in her. Within just a few years, like two three years, and and Chris, the, the division vice president, came back and he said, "Hey, didn't I tell you to fire her?" I was like, "Well, Charlie did, but I didn't." Look at her now, and at a, in a company of fifteen thousand people, she was awarded customer service rep of the year. Sometimes. People just need a prophet to come into their life and look them in the eye and say, I believe in you. I know I've needed that at times. The shout, when you release a shout, and I I just urge you to do that in your private time. And I know some of you do because I can see it in your eye. The shout brings breakthrough, but the grace of God calls us to follow through. It's not just the experience of the moment that matters. It's what happens on the other side of it. When I was in my 20s, I thought every time I came to church, it should be a mountaintop experience. Like, I thought every experience. I would, but see, I was like the disciples. When you had an experience of God, you wanted to build a tent and stay there. The Mount of Transfiguration, when Jesus ascended, it wasn't even a mountaintop. They just, they went there, and they, they looked up, Jesus ascended, and they just, they kept looking. Like, they were just going to stand there and look until he came back down again. They're just like, oh, I don't think he's going to come back down. Is he going to come back down? That was really cool. Let's just hang out. It might happen again. I'm not making fun of them. I'm just saying that's what we do. That's what, uh, that's what I, and that's how I grew I mean, I was in revival. We were in like the sovereign move of God, revival. You could do anything and God moved. It was crazy what was happening. And I thought, man, every, every time out, it's going to be mountaintop. Mount, but I didn't understand that when you have the mountaintop, you have to, to stay in the will of God, you have to go back down to the valley. And you might walk through valleys of shadows of death, but you don't have to fear because on the mountaintop, you recognize, oh, wait a second, God is with me. That's what follow through looks like. It's not just staying in the experience so that you can have the goosebumps and the warm fuzzies. It's stepping out of your experience to carry it down into the valleys to the people that need what you just got. And when you give away what you just got, yeah, you know what? You're going to get hungry. You're going to get a little bit tired. You're going to feel a little bit depleted, but that's the way that you get filled again. See, you do, You you know, you can't have strength renewed that, that hasn't been given out. If you're not giving out, out strength. If you're not working by strength, then there's nothing to renew. You're just going to get fat, dumb, and happy. And we cannot have a church filled with fat, dumb, and happy people. We've got to put our hand to the plow. We got to go to the mountaintop, and we got to get in that moment. We got to release the shout, but we've got to get down into the valley and get on our knees and get low before people and begin to release the beauty, the grace, the love, and the face of God that has shined upon us. The shout brings breakthrough, but grace calls us to follow through. Grace gives us the power to overcome everything we are going through. Everything. Somebody say everything. What are you going through? There's grace for it. Grace not only saves us from that which opposes us, it empowers us to overcome that which opposes us. It does not release you from opposition. In this world, you will have trouble, but fear not, I have overcome the world. That's what Jesus said. I live in a way that understands that past tense, I have overcome, and I've overcome the things that I haven't even overcome yet because Jesus already did it. Somebody say amen. But where grace is given, responsibility is assumed. Grace is not a a a license to do whatever you want. Everywhere in Scripture where you see the word grace or favor, in the Hebrew it's the same word, every time you see that, that means, oh, You're about to get some responsibility. That's what God does when He gives grace. Salvation is free, but overcoming is an option. To be an overcomer, that means that you're walking in the responsibility that has come by grace. That means you're not going to stay as an infant. You're not going to stay as a child, but you're going to grow in grace. You're going to grow in maturity. You are going to grow into the full stature of Jesus. That's what the rest of scripture is about. You can't enter the kingdom unless you become like a little child. But from that moment on, you are transformed from one level of glory to another, to another, to another. You are growing in grace and maturity. And now you're not just one who has come in. You are one with Christ who has risen above. And you've gone through the breakthrough. And now you're walking out follow through to the praise of his glory and grace. Does that make sense? But sometimes in those moments when you don't feel like it, especially when you don't feel like it, to release the might and power of the voice is to activate the, activate the prophetic word and connect heaven to earth. So I always encourage people to read the word of God out loud and read it loudly. People will be like, hey, you know, that was a great message. I'm like, I read the Bible loud today, not so much. You know, I I was pretty chill when I was reading Zechariah, but a lot of times I'm just reading scripture and I'm just diving in because that's how I roll. And I get into a rhythm and I start speaking and I start praying and I start releasing. And sometimes I start shouting. I've had some incredible prayer meetings in this room on a Saturday night when no one was around except the cleaning lady next door. Before we had that screen, I'm like shouting, I'm going down, like, oh, God, you're going to move tomorrow. And then I look up, and there's this little face in the window. like. In full confession, I got a little timid after that. I was like, God, you're going to move tomorrow. It's going to be great. But to release the might and power of the voice, is to activate the prophetic word and connect heaven to earth and what happens when heaven comes to earth? You recognize that it's time to build again. The prophetic word did not build the temple. You know, we've had people, we used to do, well, we still, now our teams can do anything. So if you go to a ministry team, they can prophesy over you. They can do inner healing on you. They can interpret dreams for you. They'll pray healing for your body. They'll they'll pray breakthrough for your, whatever, they're, they're trained. They know they can do it all. But we used to have Sundays that was like prophetic team day. There were people that only came to this church on the days where we had prophetic teams. And not only that, they wanted a specific person to prophesy over them. You want to see me get cantankerous? I be Someone and someone, one of our leaders came to me like, they only want to go see that person. I'm like, send them to that person instead. See if they come back next time. Why? Because the prophetic word did not build the temple. We're, way, we're like, sometimes we treat God like a slot machine, that we show up on the right day, we put the right coin, people like, they, they rub the thing, they do all of the, what? The, and then they pull the, I know they don't do that so much anymore, but that, that's what made it fun. I've never done it, of course, but we had business meetings back in the day, and they would give us like 500 bucks to go lose it. I mean, it's a, that's what actually happens at casinos. If you want to know, you go and you lose your money. That's what happens. So, so yeah, you, you know, but it was their money. It was company money. It was fine. So you go in, you know, that, but that's how we treat church sometimes. We treat the body of Christ. We treat the spirit. If I just, maybe one more time, and then all of a sudden, I'm going to get that sound. I'm going to get that right word, and that mountain is just going to come down. Because for too long, people have have spoken, and they've taught this this passage, but they just stopped at the grace, grace part because I could get everybody shouting grace, grace, but it's a whole other thing to get everybody to get into the mountain and take it down stone by stone because the prophetic word isn't going to build anything. It's just going to show you what needs to be built. Can I get an amen? I just want to know if you're still excited to build. So what did the prophetic word do? It released the supernatural nature of God. That's what prophecy does. It releases the supernatural nature of God. You'll feel a quickening in your belly. Hey, you might even get some goosebumps. It'll be fun. You might cry. You might shout. You might dance. But it's not going to build for you. It's just going to show you what needs to be built or torn down in your life. The prophetic word, it called for the power of the shout. And the shout destroyed the fear and the apathy while it restored boldness and identity. Why do I shout a lot? That's why. Because shouts, they come against fear and apathy. If you're living in fear, when you hear the shout that comes from the spirit of a man, it might cause you to shrink back in a moment. But that's because the, tra- the chains that are around you are getting a little bit tighter until they break off. That's what breakthrough is. And you might be living in apathy. It means you're just, yeah, you're just going through the motions. You just show up to church. You can just do your thing because that's what we're supposed to do. And, uh, you know, but now tomorrow's Monday and you're going to wake up and you're going to be miserable because you got to go back to work and face all those people that you don't like and all the. That's the valley. The shout will break you out of that. I, I'm telling you, when you shout unto God with a voice of triumph, you can put your hand on your belly even when you don't feel like it and you can say, Bless the Lord, O oh my soul, in all that is within me, I am not a morning person. But I got to wake up in the morning and say, bless the Lord, oh my soul. Holy Spirit, fill me afresh. Oh, I don't want to, I know in my heart and in my flesh, I don't really want to hang out with people in the morning until I have at least two cups of coffee Coffee, and I only had one and a quarter today, so I'm feeling a little bit short. But still, in worship I say, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. All, 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 all that's within me. Bless His holy name and your Flesh and your soul will begin to catch up with where your spirit already is. Don't run on your feelings, run on reality. My God is greater, my God is stronger, my God is higher than any other. That's who my God is. Worship team, I need you to come up. You don't have to do that song, but just come on up. You can if you want. But I gotta say it again, the shout didn't move the mountain, guys. the shout didn't build the temple. I'm still gonna have y'all shouts. I mean, maybe not right now. I don't know what we're gonna do right now. Have to get your kids in a moment. But but let me tell you what the shout does. It destroys darkness because the sound is light. As a matter of fact, you take sound and you just keep amping up the frequency logarithmically. There comes a point where Sound becomes light. And that's what happens when God steps in the room. He activates, yeah, come on. He activates the atmosphere. And things begin to happen. I've seen it too many times, God. I, I, sometimes I'm speaking in ways that seem sort of maybe mystical, or but that's because my God is eternal. And when he steps into a room, and I always say in all grace and mercy, because I know that when he manifests himself, we are responsible for the revelation that we receive. He literally activates the atmosphere around us. I mean, and it's just what happens when He's there. Things happen. And anything is possible in Him. But the task is to get into the heart of the Father and say, what do you want to do in this moment? The shout brought a breakthrough and activated faith. The shout will help you see through circumstance and call things that are not as though they are fully manifest in the moment. That is the definition of faith in the book of Hebrews. It's the hope. What does the hope mean biblically? The absolute assurance of a favorable outcome. When you speak in faith, you're seeing into the heart of God and you're declaring what you see as though it is fully manifest on the earth. When we declare things about revival, renewal, and reformation, it's because we see it in the heart of the Father, and we know we know that this thing is gonna happen. We know that this land will see the goodness of God, but I'm also willing to sow myself fully into something that I may never see the fruit of with my own eyes. It may be when I'm in the great cloud of witnesses that I will look down and say, oh, there's the fruit of our intercession. There's the fruit of our plowing. There's the fruit of our sowing. And look, the children's children get to reap what we sow. Do you feel the beauty of the Lord on that? I just feel the beauty of the Lord on that. Oh God, that we would be a people that are known to have been with you that we would be a people that would sow into things that we may never see the fruit of as though they are about to fully manifest on the earth right now God that we would leave an inheritance to the children's children that we would step out of our apathy that we would step out of our fear and we would begin to release shouts unto God with the voice of triumph that we would realign our thinking about, about what is we think is decent and orderly even in quiet Corporate gatherings, and we would step into the atmosphere of your throne room in Revelation chapter 4 and understand that what we do pales in comparison to what is before you now, God. When I say I want to bring heaven to earth, I want you to, to agree with the prayer of Jesus, the declaration of Jesus' kingdom come, your will fully manifest on earth as though it is in heaven. You've given us a picture of what the throne room is like, with the thunders and the lightnings and the four living creatures and the smoke and the sound and the the shouts and the declarations God that we would begin to mirror with passion and with confidence that which is in heaven as though it is on earth right here right now God would you raise up a generation of young hungry lions that would prowl the ground in New England and plow the ground in New England that new plants would grow up that we would raise up fresh new oaks of righteousness. They might be a little sapling today, but at a future time, they will grow. I don't know where the next Billy Graham is. I don't know where the next Bill Johnson is. I don't know where the next Benny Johnson is, but I know if I release the seed of the Word of God into the ground and into the soil of the hearts of people, there will be a harvest if we faint not. Do not become weary in well-doing. Do not become weary in well-doing. Do not become weary in well-doing because a proper time is coming. A proper time is coming. A proper time is coming. And we're going to get beyond the sound of B-flat or A-flat in the universe and we're going to step into the symphony that is in the heart of God, the eternal sound, the activation of the atmosphere inside the shout of the people of God bringing breaker, breaker, breaker anointing that will cause people f- to move from being bound to being free. All throughout Scripture, he's been taking a slave nation and calling them to be a free people. Step out of your slavery and become sons and daughters of the living God. Shout unto God with a voice of triumph. Yes, Yes, it's the underdog. Stand with me. Yes, I'm say. Yes, it's the underdog. Underdog, say. Underdog, see. Yes, it's Say. Just begin to lift your voice. Just begin to lift your sound. Lift your voice. If you don't have it. I dare you, put all, put your hand on your belly and say, Holy Spirit, fill me afresh. I dare you to begin to prophesy to your soul, to your mind, to your will, to your emotions, and say, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Oh, what does it mean to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, your mind, your soul, and your strength? Oh, we have just stepped into a shadow of what is possible. We've stepped into a shadow of what we are capable, capable of as an individual and as a kingdom to our God. Oh, the world, New England is waiting for the revelation in your belly. Release it, release it, release it, release it. God, I pray right now that there would be a fresh baptism of your fire and a fresh baptism of your love. A fresh baptism of your fire in this room and a fresh baptism of your love. With power, with power, with power, with power. God, move corporately in this room right now. Move corporately. God, across the live stream right now, everywhere we are within the sound of my voice, within the sound of this service, whenever it is viewed, God, would you move with power, with anointing, with power, with anointing, and with Pentecostal Acts 2, holy fire Fall, fall again, fall again, fall again. We need another refresh. We need another burning in the flame of God. Spirit of burning, spirit of revival, spirit of burning, spirit of revival. Let it come, let it come. Oh, don't stop releasing that sound. Respond, 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 respond. Bless the Lord, oh my soul. If that's all you got, just. Prophesy to your soul, speak to your inner man. God, release new heavenly languages in this room right now. Release a fresh boldness by that baptism of fire right now. Give us the boldness, the boldness to release the sound. Release the sound. Release the sound. It's the testimony of Jesus that releases the spirit of prophecy. Jesus.
0: Thank you for listening to this message from the Bridge Metro West in Natick, Massachusetts. Paul David Gidry is the senior pastor at the Bridge. For more information about the Bridge Metro West family, our gatherings and events, visit www.bridgemetrowest.com or call us at 508 651